Gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 376, uh, coming to you via via new trial for the beta version of Hindenburg Pro 2. Hindenburg is the software I use to do this show, and it's great. It has been wonderful. Every just about every episode of the podcast, all 376 of them now. Um, the vast majority, probably 350 or more, have gone through Hindenburg. It's great software. If you haven't used it, you should try it. If you're into this kind of thing. It's just a nice little multi-track with some um, built-in automatic normalizing and, and a bunch of stuff. And the new version, the pro version, uh, has the option to record from two audio sources at the same time. So microphone me and like Skype call someone else int int anyway they didn't pay for that I just really like the software and wanted to tell you this week we have got some defender that we're going to be looking at some reviews for decap attack over on the uh, YouTube we've got some new um, Final Fantasy 7 we've got another Zelda episode with me and our, our good buddy Phil who man he's just having the best time of his life right now let me tell you and um, let's see, what was our last soundtrack? Arkista's Ring, maybe, over on the soundtrack channel? Probably something like that. Uh, we've got some new medieval happening as well, since that is the game we are currently streaming. And we're probably, I don't know, half-ish way through it. <clears throat> or maybe will be by the time the stream for this week goes up. Do I have anything else for you? No, not really. We'll get into Defender stuff later, because there's a little uh, uh, thing. Almost said synchronicity, and that would have been the wrong word. Uh, there's a thing going on with Defender. Anyway, we'll get to that here in a minute. Defend planet Earth against the aliens. Don't let alien landers kidnap the humanoids and turn them into destructive mutants. That'd be bad. Features hyperspace time warp alien landers exploding pods. 
What more could you want? This is Defender, an action game for the Atari 2600, developed and published by Williams, released in 1981. Known uh, from arcade game or arcade cabinets the world over, or at least certain portions of it at the time. Um, I am playing the 2600 version, as it so states. Uh, this is a game we had when I was a kid, and we had our Atari. I wish I still had it. I think I still have some games somewhere, and one of them's probably Defender. Um, before I forget, the music we are hearing on today's episode is not technically from Defender. Uh, Defender didn't really have much in terms of music. Instead, uh, there was a collection released for the Nintendo that featured uh, Defender and Joust, and that is what we are listening to. Uh, There's also a, um, or no, excuse me, we are not doing the Nintendo version. We are doing the arcade classic for the Game Boy Uh, There's a Game Boy Advance version, a GameCube version, and there's a sequel, Defender 2 on the NES. We are doing the Game Boy version. So if you're wondering where the heck this music comes from, that would be where. Uh, Great little game. Really, really, really good. Uh, Atari 2600 game. Uh, Lots of of good action. Graphics really good for the Atari. Um, You know, it's, it's... I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about it. It's, there's not much to speak of. Your ship, you fly around, you shoot things. Maybe you get lucky, you blow them up before they blow up, uh, blow you up. It's an Atari game. What more do you want? going to be so proud of me i actually went and pulled out reviews early this week because you know decap attack not exactly uh when when you think when you think sega genesis games decap attack probably not one that comes to mind uh there were there were plenty um the general consensus is this is about a seven seven eight ish let's let's dive into uh, some not-so-detailed reviews. Some quick reviews, in fact, because that's what we read for this, and see what everybody else has to think about the game. And then we'll get into what I had to think about the game after that. That's how this segment of the show goes. Joey is so weird. In 2008 says, Sega, the master of originality. And Joey begins his review. I have reason to believe that probably only one reviewer has played the game not on a ROM besides me. That's okay. I remember playing this game many times as a child and I had a lot of fun playing but having trouble beating the game. So sadly to say, I never even got to a boss as far as I remember. But I have played this game enough to review it. Have you though? 
have you. I played Mario Brothers. I never did get to Bowser, but you know, I think I've got enough that I can tell you about the game. Or I've played Mega Man 2. Could never get to any of the Robot Masters, but I think I can tell you about the game. Thanks, Joey. Sega is the king of making unusual games, fun games, and disappointing games. There's a wide variety of games by Sega. This game is one of the most unusual original games. Probably only Sega published this because everyone else thought this game was going to be a disaster. They're probably kicking themselves. Now, enough with the history lesson. I have to use enough of the 799 words that I have. Joey's got a very large vocabulary. Joey has a problem with sentence structure. The plot is probably what you can call common. Let's let's see. His history was great. Let's see what he has to say about this. Common plot. Chuck D. Head has to go through this fun side-scrolling adventure to destroy Underworld. Well, dead people whose leader is Max Decap. That's not that common. But the people from Hellpart is. <clears throat> Okay, that's what he has to say about the plot. The graphics are pretty normal for Sega Genesis. It has its fault and its lack of 3D graphics, but it's okay. No punctuation at the end of that paragraph. And yes, that paragraph was two sentences. The sound is probably one of the best features he has in quotes in the game. The sound is very great. When his eyes pop out, it makes this very nice noise that may reminds you of watching Cartoon Network or WB Kids during the 1990s and early 2000s in the dark. If you're watching it when the lights were on, it didn't make that noise. The music is very clever and great to listen to. Not repetitive and annoying like some games might be. You heard the music last week. How would you rate the music? One out of ten. Leave me a rating. And remember, I picked the least obnoxious tracks. The gameplay is fun. Yes, it may just be some side-scrolling adventure, but it has many features to back that up. There's many ways to get rid of your enemy. Jump on them, but be careful, you might get hurt if they touch you. When you jump on them, you can see that enemy's upper part of their body sticking out. Move towards them or jump on them again to see them turn into bones. Or you can do this, use your eyes to stick out and hit them. Or this, when you hit a statue, you get different potions and things. When you get a head, you can throw that head at someone and that head will come back towards you. Wow, so many heads. Overall, this game is pretty fun. Uh, Joey gave it a 9. Well, Joey, your review sucks. I appreciate that you you took the bold stance and gave the game a 9, but your review sucks, Joey. Now, I picked Joey's not because he gave it a 9, and he was probably the only person to do so, if I recall. Um, I could look it up. I don't want to. Uh, I picked it up picked this one because he says the master of originality <clears throat> I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this game was developed by Vic Tokai and not Sega moving ahead Frostman Blues in 2018 why are people just hearing about this game now it came out in 91 uh, he says get ahead of the game on this amusing Sega Genesis title, you play the part of Chuck D. Head, who must traverse the various spooky locations in order to find artifacts that will help place the scattered islands together after, nefar after excuse me, the nefarious Max D. rises to conquer the world. During your quest, you may get the assistance of Igor and Dr. Frank D. Stein. This says Dr. Drank D. Stein, uh, using a combination of potions and items to have better means of success. The play mechanics of Decap Attack are quite unique for its time. You may get the aid of a skull to lob at enemies, jump on them, or hit them with your face, which extends from Chek's torso. Not Chuck, Chek. Quite an abnormal way to fend off creatures, and a bit creepy, but at the same time amusing and a bit charming. The Adams Family this is not. Nor is it the Munsters. Chuck can also control his descent by tapping the jump button repeatedly to ensure a safe landing away from hazards below. That is, is an important mechanic in the game, which you don't know about. Think of it like the, the raccoon tail in Mario Brothers 3. It works on that level. However, there is no animation to tell you that it is actually doing anything. You just, you go from falling like, ah, to falling, ah. 
That's the best way I can describe that. During your mission, you may search for special items hidden throughout, which will become a key item needed to defeat the last boss of the game. At the end of each third segment of a stage, you will face off against a boss in order to continue to the next level. You may get a chance to acquire special items through a bonus game if you had collected enough coins. Chuck has an awkward way to get himself along as well. Every time you stop, he would stumble and flail uncontrollably, musing a few steps after stopping, which could result in landing into an endless pit if not careful. That was a bizarre sentence. The world decap attack plays on is a bit overwhelming, trying to find your way through the bizarre environments, not sure what you expect on the next screen, but the game is so amusing to play and you get the hang of it as you move on. Chuck himself is a bizarre concept all his own. A mummy with no head and a face on his torso which adds to the weirdness to the entire thing. The soundtrack is campy and silly which, which mixes well with the play mechanics. The concept of having a monster as the main hero is another welcome concept. Many games in this time would feature dashing heroes in armor or kids with attitude who would dare take on vile monsters and creatures set to destroy humanity. Like Monster Party or Monster in My Pocket. Chuck himself is a monster who takes on monsters to defeat to defend a monster-filled world. That's a lie. Come to that later. You might have a hard time getting used to said play mechanics of the game. Perhaps you would just try it out and find out it's not your cup of tea. Or then play all the way till you are able to beat it. But Decap Attack is not your average plat space forming game by all means but it is quite a, the amusing title and one quite unique at that. Uh, Frostman Blues gave it a six. Did that sound like a six to you? That sounded like he was gonna go seven, eight minimum, right? Not really anything about the game though. Graphics, I mean, he talked about the floaty thing, that's about it. Now, our final and longest review of the week comes from Gray Malkin, in 2003. Who begins with this title? Magical Hat. So much more fun than losing your head. I picked this one because this one is going to tell us, I think, about the game that Decap Attack is a reskin of, which goes back to Joey saying that this is a original. Because it's not. So, Magical Flying Hat Turbo Adventure or Decap Attack in the West. That says it all, really, doesn't it? Two versions of the same game, one a staid pseudo-horror adventure, the other a colorful kaleidoscope of oriental eccentricity. Okay, so first of all, Magical Hat isn't that great looking a game. In fact, apart from the protagonist's animation, particularly the you're about to follow the ledge animation, the graphics are decidedly 8-bit. Fortunately, in these enlightened times, we realize that gameplay is the raison d'etre of the video game and that 3D graphic <laughs> 3D graphics whores can be safely consigned to the bargain bucket of video game history. He hyphenated that video game one word hyphen history. It's the game that counts and this game is quite good. I've got to state this now straight off. If you find this game difficult, just give up on video games. It's not that there aren't any tricky bits in this game. There are a couple. And it's just that never ever in my 25 years of video gaming has there ever been a game so intent on a wordage of extra lives. If you haven't hit the 99 life mark by the fourth level, you've not been playing the game right. This, and this mainly, is the game's flaw. With 99 lives and not a particularly... Excuse me. He gets very wordy and I get ahead of myself. With 99 lives... A not particularly well-trained monkey, all hyphenated, could finish it. Mind you, if the game is fun, that's not so much a problem. There's always high scores to introduce challenge. The plot of the game is in Japanese. Don't know. However, the drama is introduced and you are cast as a turban-wearing, wide-mouthed adventurer, hoping to defeat someone for some reason. It may be obvious around now that I can't speak Japanese. Whatever your man's motivation, side-scrolling platform action is about to ensue. That's the original. Uh, the super magic turbo flying hat, whatever it's called. In Decap Attack, we are cursed. And Dr. Frank and Igor, like, find us and put us back together. And then to break the curse, we have to go beat that Max D-head guy. 
and then when we do the curse is broken and then it turns into like this weird beauty and the beast kind of thing it's, it's bizarre um, this is where the game scores. Side-scrolling platform action, going back to what we started. The standard jumpy, bouncy gameplay is enhanced by a weapon mechanic. A sentient egg that can be thrown and retrieved, which is why it's a head in the Western version. This adds a degree of strategy to the Mario-esque action, particularly as after being thrown, your egg remains stationary for a short time. Great for multiple hits on bosses intent on walking through your little yolker. I just realized he has hyphenated something in just about every paragraph of this review. You find people, you know, who, who really, like, they hit on a thing, and that's their thing. Like, when people do comma, parenthesis, and parenthesis, comma. This guy's is hyphens. Uh, in between levels, a collected currency throughout the level system is used to allow the player to gamble for items. This is quite fun, as the slot machine can be... Uh, the slot machine used can be judged, and the maze game alternate is random enough to provide a frisson of excitement. Give it a few goes, and you'll be expecting an extra five lives every time. Uh, the items found during these levels and during the game proper can be kinda cool. Laser blasts, speed boosts, etc. They all pale in comparison to the ultimate power-up, the red and yellow mecha monkey pill. Copyright Gray Malkin 2003 turns you into an invulnerable Power Rangers esque simian slaughterhouse or a robot gorilla if you'd rather. A help through the more challenging, i.e., not incredibly easy, bosses or the trickier, i.e., not tricky at all, parts of the level. Every time there was an i.e., it was in parentheses. Next paragraph begins Ah, the levels. I love it when somebody writes something and they put ah in it. I love it. It's it's so not bad at all, is it? The levels, derivative, obvious, trite, and hackneyed. All words that could easily be applied to levels much more original than these. Desert, forest, lava, ice, several periods. You get the idea, several more periods. There are some cool ideas and some nice touches, but this is, on the whole, entirely generic platform fare. You know, Adventure Island type. That's me saying that, not him. So it's too easy, the levels are too derivative. Why the six score? Six meaning above average, non-edge readers, exclu- or question mark. Charm. This game is fun. It doesn't attempt to take itself seriously. It has a graphical style, a sense of humor, and an attention to detail that, parenthesis, as well as the vastly superior box art and manual art, and parenthesis, lift it above the tired Western conversion. The West gets an average platform game, and the East gets an average platform game with bags of style and charm. It's fun, it's lighthearted, and at times, it's seriously weird. It's not the best Mega Drive platformer, but by no means is it the worst. It may not delight you, but there's no way it'll, it'll offend you. It's good. Not great, but good. And don't let anyone tell you the decap attack's better. That's like comparing Robotech to Macross. Rating 6. So, I picked this one because it did sound like it was going to be more focused on the original, uh, which fits with, you know, Joey saying it's an original game, where Decap Attack is a reskin and a poor one at that. I have not played Magical Hat, No Rocket, Adventure Man, whatever it was called. I've seen screenshots of it, and it does look like it could have been... Uh, a Master System game as opposed to a Mega Drive game. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Sega had the Master System, which was their 8-bit system, Sega's NES, if you will, and the Genesis is much more on par, par excuse me, with the Super Nintendo. So we got a game that looks like it could have been made on the NES on the Genesis, and then it got translated over into what looks like it could have been a Commodore 64 game. It's got a very, Decap Attack does, it's got a very home computer feel. It's not bad, it's just not good. Um, it's a uh, kind of a mess. The controls aren't good, the, the combat's bad, the levels are boring. Um, the, the closest thing I could compare this to is, as a game that I have played that we have talked about on the show, is Chuck Rock. And Chuck Rock looks good. This game looks good. 
the the design of the characters and the areas is good, but it just feels so samey because it is so samey compared to games like Chuck Rock, etc., etc. Um, the music I think is terrible. The story I don't know what it is, but I'll bet it's dumb. I'm guessing based on what I saw when I played the game because I didn't know what it was at the time, and I bet I'm pretty close to what the what the deal is. Uh. You know, I I have a hard time giving this game anything above a five. Not because it's bad, but like what's his name said, it's just not good, and it's not good, and it's not charming, and it's not interesting. At least the Western version. You know what I mean? So I don't know if if you like kind of weird, obscure little action platformer games, play it see what you think. Um, I played it once. That was enough for me. Hope you all been enjoying enjoying the doy de doy 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 the de da tu da. This is great. I have to stream later, and I cannot get through anything. Um, hope you've all been enjoying the Oddity Central news because we're gonna keep doing it. We're gonna keep doing it, and we're gonna keep doing it uh, because it's been more interesting, at least for me to read than. Um, than the other stuff. Though, there's not a lot of interesting news this week. Um, We've got an AI-powered news anchor in China. Uh, Ren Saorong. 90-year-old man is the world's oldest male bodybuilder. He's 90, I imagine. And if he wasn't, the next oldest guy would be. Connecticut man been walking barefoot for over 20 years. This beast of a car is powered by a World War II plane engine. Uh, and it is called the Beast. Muscle car powered by a Rolls-Royce Merlin V12. Uh, 750 horsepower, 2.35 miles a gallon. Um, one of those weird... mimicky kind of birds. Doing chainsaw noises. And then we get to uh, the non-existent country we talked about last week. Let's start with this one. Widow seduces man who had her husband killed and then turns him over to the authorities. A Colombian woman who lost her hand at the hands of a local crime boss spent years planning her revenge, seducing him and gathering evidence to have him arrested for multiple crimes. In what sounds like a script of a Hollywood blockbuster, a Colombian woman... Well, this is how you know it wouldn't be a Hollywood blockbuster, because it doesn't take place in America... A Colombian woman managed to do what the police and the military could not, avenge the death of her husband by bringing a dangerous criminal to justice. The unnamed woman was hailed as a hero by police and journalists in Cordoba, Colombia, after spending years getting close to a cunning criminal and gathering evidence to have them prosecuted. But she was no crime fighter, just a grieving window widow excuse me, getting revenge on the man who had her husband assassinated years before. She was not a window. She makes a better door than a window. 
Uh, Ruben Dario Valoria Barrios posed as a respectable merchant in the town of Cienga de Oro, and most of those who knew him described him as a deeply religious man who preached the word of God. But behind the scenarios, he was Juancho, a criminal mastermind who orchestrated the shipment of narcotics to Central America and the United States, ordered assassination attempts against rivals and even former collaborators, and trafficked firearms and ammunition. Because he kept a very low profile and didn't actively participate in criminal activities, Lancho managed to keep the authorities at bay. But there were people who knew about his illegal dealings. Among these few was a woman whose husband, the ruthless crime lord, had ordered a hit against for reasons that have not been made public. After mourning her husband, the woman reportedly started infiltrating Wancho's social circles, slowly getting close to him, and eventually getting him to fall in love with her. Uh, Valoria Barros, Barrios excuse me, eventually grew to trust the woman so much that he shared information about his criminal dealings, which she then turned over to the authorities. Police had been suspecting him since 2020, but without enough evidence to convict him, they were powerless to act. With the information provided by Wancho's confidant, uh, authorities were able to build a rock-solid case against him. It was reportedly the woman who set up a Ruben Dario Valoria Barrios to be arrested. She told police that he would be attending a meeting with other criminals in Monteria, and the special operations group of the National Police managed to capture him in what is called the Corona Operation. Wanted by Interpol, Wancho now faces decades of prison time. As for the woman who orchestrated his downfall, she got to avenge the death of her husband. That was a very long story to tell us what basically was told to us in the first paragraph of that story. Which, you know, writing, writing is like that. I think, I think when you write a paper or a story like this, your first paragraph should be, hello, I am introducing the story to you. Here are the things we will talk about in this story. And then your first thing is your first paragraph and your second is your second, and your third is your third, and then you have a summation, and then you go from there. Oh, I have a phone call. One moment. Sorry about that. Real pal Jason, we're trying to buy a house. And of course, this is the time of day everybody wants to call me, so I may have to run off again. I'll let you know. Our next story, Thai man claims wife left him, married someone else after undisclosed lottery win. A Thai man is taking his ex-wife to court, accusing her of concealing a lottery win of 12 million bots, just about $352,000, from him, concealing it from him before breaking up with him over the phone and marrying someone else. Naren, a 47-year-old scorn man from Thailand's Isan, Isan? I don't know, region? Uh, recently hired a lawyer to help him wage a legal battle against his wife of 20 years, who allegedly left him to marry another man after winning the lottery. The man claims his ex-wife, 43-year-old 43, 43 Chawiwan, with whom he has three daughters, took advantage of the fact that he was working in South Korea to support his family and simply broke off with him over the phone last month without so much as an explanation. He returned home at the beginning of his month, probably this month, to confront the woman only to learn that she had already married another man, a local police officer, just days earlier. I was shocked and didn't know what to do, Naren recently told reporters. I'm disappointed. I did not expect I did not expect that my wife of 20 years would do this to me. I only had 60,000 bot left in my bank account because I gave money to her every month. I want to call out for justice and the money that I deserve. The 47-year-old man claims that he only learned about his wife's lottery win from his daughters, who told him that she had won around 12 million baht. Unfortunately, Naren doesn't have a marriage certificate because he and Chawiwan never made their relationship official, but his lawyers insist that he's still entitled to half of the lottery prize as relatives and members of their respective families can confirm their long-term relationship. Chawiwan, on the other hand, filed a complaint against her ex-husband on grounds of defamation, claiming that he's lying in order to get his hands on some free money. The woman told police that it was actually Naren who broke up with her over the phone years ago, and that he is only back in the picture because he heard about her lottery win. She insists that her neighbors know that all know, excuse me, that they split a long time ago. 
The 43-year-old woman who also accused Naren of lying about routinely sending the family 27,000 to 30,000 baht per month as he only deposited 3,000 to 4,000 baht into their daughter's bank accounts. After going viral in Thailand, this case is being investigated by police and other authorities to determine whether the lawsuit is justified. And just last month, we wrote about a man who was forced to compensate his spouse after concealing lottery win from her for years. So if you want to check that out, go check that out. And our final story. Man is living underwater for 100 days to see how it affects his body and mind. A Florida University professor plans to spend 100 days 30 feet under the ocean surface in an underwater lodge as a scientific experiment to find out how the constant increased pressure affects his body and mind. The current world record for time spent living underwater was set in 2014 by two Tennessee biologists who managed to live submerged for a total of 73 days. But if University of South Florida professor Joseph Dutuuri meets his set goal, he will beat that record by a whopping 27 days. I didn't know 27 days was whopping. That means a month is over whopping. Uh, at the beginning of this month, Dutuuri, who also goes by the nickname Dr. Deep Sea, moved into Jules's Undersea Lodge in Key Largo, an underwater hotel 30 feet under the surface, where he plans to remain until June 9th. During this time, he and a team of physicians and scientists plan to conduct a series of tests to see how living underwater for prolonged periods of time affect the human body and mind. It's much less impressive when you're just going to be staying at a hotel for, you know, 100 days. The human body has never been underwater that long, so I will be monitored closely, Professor Dutuuri said in a statement. Quote, this study will examine every way this journey impacts my body, but my null hypothesis is that there will be improvements to my health due to the increased pressure. Now, that usually makes people feel better, being under pressure. Dutuuri bases his hypothesis on the findings of a study in which cells exposed to higher pressure doubled, higher pressure, excuse me, doubled within five days. He and others at the University of South Florida now believe that the increased pressure could increase his longevity and prevent diseases tied to aging. To keep water from entering the lodge, air must constantly be pumped into the living space, which creates a pressure, creates a pressure, pressure, about 1.6 times of that of Earth's surface. 1.6? You're mad! During the 100 days, the 55-year-old university professor will be regularly visited by a medical team who will run a series of tests, including blood panels, ultrasounds, and electrocardiograms. He will also undergo uh, psychosocial and psychological tests to determine the mental effects of being stuck alone underwater for long periods of time. My man here looks like Captain Ron. Well, you know, I guess that's something, but we do it in Minecraft all the time. He's gonna be fine. gentlemen thank you very much for joining me on this very special edition of electric leftovers what made it very special hell if i know they're all special in a way right you know what i mean they're all kinda just just a little you can't really tell by looking at it but if you talk to it for a few minutes you get the feeling like you know something something's a little off here that's how the show goes I know it. You know it. It's fine. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. If you would like to uh, leave us a rating and a review on, you know, wherever you get your podcasts and leave ratings and reviews, uh, you can do that. You probably should do that if you know it's good for you. Any podcast software of your choice. That's where you can do that. If you'd like to uh, support the show, you can do so by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash electric left and buy me a coffee, which if I got to move, I'm going to need some coffee. You know how that goes. Uh, what else can I tell you? Find me on YouTube, Jason's Groove Machine. Find me on Twitch, Jason's Groove Machine. Um, 
New episodes come out every Thursday. Do I got anything left? God, I don't think so. No, no, nothing comes to mind. So I'm going to go. You guys have a good time. We'll see you next week. And uh, I'm, I'm eagerly and anxiously awaiting that coffee. Man, do I need it. Take care, you kids.